0: Hey, welcome back to another edition of Hey Fighting Podcast, presented by Marathon Petroleum. Get the most out of your drive. Harrison Valentine, joined by Jacob Hester. And this week, Hester, we get to talk about a win. Uh, a win in which the Tigers explode for 72 points, the most points since, take a guess, the dreaded seven overtime loss to Texas oh, A&M, yeah. and the most points in regulation since 1977. So there's your Todd Politz history lesson uh, on the pod. So... Uh, it's also a win in which Jaden Daniels threw for five touchdown passes in uh, the first half, and a game the offense scored on their first ten possessions uh, until the final drive of the game. We talked about it last week. You're not going to get any out of boys for this performance, but um, I think on Saturday the offense showed how potent it can be
1: yeah the offense did what they had to do I mean you can only go out there and score points and that's what they did Uh, you saw them establish the running game early Logan Diggs came in he gave you some juice there I thought all the running backs actually played really well I mean Josh Williams Logan Diggs they both had over seven yards per carry the offensive line did a really nice job of creating those holes there for the run game and so you did everything that you could offensively because again all you can do is go out there execute score touchdowns and they did and you kind of knew from the first series it was going to be a long day for Grambling's defense and so the offense everything you wanted like everything you wanted to get again no attaboys for this game but that doesn't mean you can play poor you got to go out there and stay on schedule and so really when you look at it I mean the first two weeks of the season the offense has had two good weeks now you got to finish in the first week and we talked about that last week but the offense right now looks like they're staying on schedule Um, you're seeing a couple of different guys rotate in. We saw Lance Hurd rotate in at right tackle. That's going to be kind of a storyline to pay attention to. Logan Diggs is out there with the first unit. We didn't see him in week number one. So that's something to pay attention to as well. And this staff has showed you, Harrison, we know this, we've talked about it. If they feel like a change is needed, they're going to yep. do it. They're not, you know, a lot of coaches for whatever reason they get the idea of who a player is during spring and training camp and they're like, "Yeah, I can't go away from and this staff." Like, you got to work for your job every single week and I I actually enjoy that. I appreciate that. It's more of a pro mindset. You got to go out there. You got to perform. Or we're at a place like LSU. We'll find somebody that can go out there that week and do the job. And so I liked some of the moves that I saw from this offense.
0: For sure. You mentioned the running backs. My biggest take of the, uh, away from the game was Logan Diggs, who just no. looked a little bit different than any of the other backs. I think he made the case to be the featured back moving forward. Um, uh, he, he rushed for 115 yards on 15 carries. Um, I thought Caleb Jackson made a case for himself, too, the, the freshman. Uh, The offense relied heavily on him in the second half. Uh, You also get John Emery back this week. Overall, a great night for the rushing attack. Uh, As a former back yourself, you got to feel excited about what they have in that department.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Josh Williams had seven yards. Uh, plus per carry so every back that touched the ball even Noah Kane right to really grind out the rest of that game that's a veteran player went out there and played four minute offense for a long period of time way longer than four minutes to end the game there so I thought the running back room as a whole had a really nice night now you get John Emery back as you mentioned what's that rotation look like that that's always that's the hard part of it and running back's a position where I know for me like I wanted to get seven eight carries really get my legs underneath me, get behind my pads a little bit, wear, lean on the defense a little bit. And so sometimes when you're by committee, you hope that you get that opportunity to do so. So, like, what it's going to look like this week will be interesting because, I agree, Logan Diggs went out there, earned playing time. Caleb Jackson has earned playing time. Uh, Getting John Emery back, what does he look like? Josh Williams has done nothing wrong to lose playing time. And so the rotation and how they use those backs is going to be very interesting because they're all – Somewhat different, right? I mean, they have some similarities, but those guys are different running backs and one thing that Can get you on the field and keep you on the field that needs to go up from that room is pass protection Yep. Pass protection for that room and I can't remember if we talked about it last week, right? if you've got a a Responsibility in protection you have to look at that responsibility if he's not coming You've got to get out on your route too many times certainly in week number one you knew who you had, you stared at him, and then he added himself into the blitz because you did not get out fast enough. Whichever bag takes over that role, Honestly, Harrison, because they're all running very well, that's the back that I would play more than I would the
0: others. 302 yards overall for the running backs. Logan Diggs, like I said, 115 yards, led all backs with 15 carries. Caleb Jackson, 62 yards uh, on 11 carries. Josh Williams, 43 yards on six carries. One of the most underrated plays of the night was Chris Hilton's touchdown, I thought, who showcased elite speed, just beating his man over the middle of the field for a 47-yard touchdown. Malik Neighbors read the led the receivers with 87 yards and a touchdown. I thought Brian Thomas had another great game with two touchdowns, 78 yards. Um, Obviously, LSU, we all know they have a stable of receivers. Mm -hmm. But I think over the first two games, we've kind of showcased how talented that room is as well.
1: Yeah, it's a room that you've got to try to find who does what the best. And kind of like the running back room, you have a lot of talent. But what do you do the best? Where can I put you to help out you as an individual and us as a team, and also not fall into tendencies? Right? You heard Chris Hilton after the game, Brian Kelly as well. Like that's not just the only skill set that Chris Hilton has. Now he certainly can run a, a go route and get behind, take the top off the defense—the old cliche that we always talk about, but. You've got a group of receivers that you've got to find. Like, you know, Malik and BT are going to be out there, but what do you do best? Where can we put Chris Hilton where he can succeed? That's a player right now that has shown me during training camp. I think he showed in this grambling game. He can help you if he can stay healthy. Obviously, that's been one of the issues for Chris. But if he can stay healthy, he can help you in uh, you know a numerous amount of ways and certainly you can place him and put him in different positions, put him on the move, give him that advantage because he has true elite speed. And so, you know, Kyron Lacy, I thought he had a nice bounce back game after week number one. And so that's you're four or five deep in that room. Aaron Anderson, is somebody that we saw in training camp, we saw him early in the Florida State game. Haven't really yep. seen him since then like what's his role going to be because also we know what he can do with the ball in his hands and so it's a very deep room but I think right now you're trying to find okay where can I put each piece to make sure that it works the best
0: defensively it was a bit of a challenge in the first quarter I remember seeing you in the uh, press box yeah. near the food table and we were kind of like like a uh, little bit of tough sliding there in the first quarter but they settled in didn't give up any points after that um, Grambling had some plays where they gassed you uh, on chunk plays early on, but like I said, the the unit definitely settled in the second half. Uh, Zai Alexander and West Weeks led the team in tackles with six apiece. Uh, Major Burns, Andre Sam, uh, Greg Penn all finished with five tackles of their own. Uh, Encouraging second half, but clearly uh, things out there that still need to to improve on the defensive side.
1: Yeah, they made uh, an adjustment after the first quarter, certainly in the second half, and it was a needed adjustment. And, you know, obviously – Last year, we sat here a ton and talked about Matt House and the adjustments he made in the second half. You look at the Mississippi State game, the Ole Miss game, and really changed the course of those games. And then, like, in week number one, obviously, you struggled in the second half, and we're not used to seeing that. And then you come out in this game, first quarter was a struggle, but then we started to see those adjustments that we know Matt House is so good at and really it was it was basic stuff like we'll call it as we see it it was it was run fits it was a linebacker spilling to the safety position right he takes it on with the right shoulder he's there to allow the safety to make the play and the blockers taking him and the safety didn't make the play the safety didn't have great technique he comes in a little too wild he dives at ankles head down and then you have a 40 yard run right football is the ultimate team game you can have 10 guys doing the right thing one guy not doing his responsibility and you'll have the that and and then sometimes the linebacker wasn't taking it on properly and there was an inside cut and we really saw that throughout the first quarter from veteran players players have played a lot of football so for whatever reason that was occurring time and time again and then you settled down you had an opportunity to make some adjustments after the first two series and you didn't see that again that's something you have to be careful with this week because (sighs) Mississippi State Is not the same team that they've been over the last couple of years. This is a completely different offense that has a completely different set of ideas of who they want to be. So you've got to be sound in the run game. You have to make sure, hey, a fit is a fit, right? That's called within the defense. And if you have veteran players, and I expect you to be – where you're supposed to be, fitting it, spilling it, whatever you're doing, you have to do that because even a team that doesn't have the talent like you have in Grambling, we saw them hit 40-yard runs, right? They were moving the
0: ball down the field in the first two series. You've got to play sound defense. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You mentioned Mississippi State. Let's look ahead for a second because I think our listeners want to – you know. Talk about SEC play a little bit. Um, Tigers get their first conference test this week on the road at Mississippi State. Uh, Feels like a good opportunity uh, to kind of gauge where, you know, this team has improved over the last two weeks and where they are. Uh, It sounds like, like you said, Mississippi State is getting away from what we're used to seeing, just like the air raid, you know, air it deep. I think Will Rogers has thrown the ball much less over the first two games. I think it was 33 attempts over the last two games, which is wild. What are you seeing – about lsu's next opponent their offense and how they've kind of evolved over the last couple of years
1: all right so this is a veteran football team when you look at the experience chart they bring back the 32nd most production in the country so they had a lot a bulk of their offense eight starters coming back even the four starters they had coming back on defense you could probably throw that to more like six or seven starters because you had three guys that were big pieces of who they were a year ago but it's no longer the air raid Obviously, unfortunately, you lose the legend Mike Leach in the offseason, uh, passes away far too soon. And and that was something that, uh, you know, obviously they got to deal with, with that and, and their coach. And so there's a lot of emotion surrounding that. But then they stay in-house and they give Zach Arnett the job. And he brings in the offensive coordinator from Appalachian State and you're wondering what they're going to be well they're trying to find that out themselves they are trying to find out their identity because they went from an air raid to a team that is now trying to run the football like they are going to line up they're going to run stretch lead they're going to run counter they're going to run power that is not who this team has been now their offensive line they bring back as i mentioned they bring back a bulk of their starters but you have to think they were recruited to play in the air raid the air raid is a very offensive line friendly scheme it just is you get the ball out quick you've got these huge splits it's more like punt protection well now I mean, they've got three fingers in the dirt. They're having to block counter and power very gap scheme, tough physical runs. And you can tell they're trying to figure out exactly what that is. Now, they've got a very talented running back, Woody Marks, Dequavius Marks, but goes by Woody. You need to know who that is. Now, he is a player that has almost every single record as far as receiving out of the backfield, like receptions. He's almost actually one of the top school leaders of all time because – Well, that's how they utilized him. In the air raid, he caught a ton of passes. He caught 48 balls a year ago to only 113 rushes, right? So for a running back, that's huge numbers, 48 catches. Well, now the offense has completely changed. He had 113 carries all of last year. Was their leading rusher with 582 yards all of last year. So far in two games this year, he already has 43 attempts for 250 yards. So he's almost halfway where he was all of last year after two games. This is now his offense. Will Rogers is a really good football player. In the air raid, it was his. Now it's Woody Mark's offense, and he is going to be featured. And you have to be gap sound. You have to against this team. That's who they want to be now. They want to be a team that runs the football. It's not out of, you know, dotting the I-I formation. But it's pretty close. They run a ton of pistol. And a lot of our listeners know what pistol is. But if you don't, you've got the quarterback's heels at five. Not his toes, his heels. And he is going to have the running back at seven and a half yards right behind him. So it's, it's gun, but it's basically like you're in the I formation, like in an ace formation. And they are going to run stretch lead. They're going to do it with multiple tight ends. like The full arsenal of run game is up for them now. Because that's who they want to be. That's what they want their identity to be. They'll have split backfield. They'll run counter out of it with two running backs, pony personnel. They'll have one back go across, cut off the backside, give the ball to the other back, coming across the formation, have two pullers. You didn't see that last year with Mississippi State. Right. So they themselves are trying to figure out what their identity is. They know where they want to get to but you're catching this team early in the process. And so defensively, you wanna go out there. This should be a Makai Wingo game. He should dominate this game because up front, they're still trying to figure out how to block these plays, right? They have been known to be in these, again, huge splits, air raid. Now they're trying to be tough and physical and they just aren't there yet. So you should be able to go out there, have a lot of success on the defensive front this game. Mason Smith, Finally gets a game under his belt. I expect his play to go up. And so if you wanted to play a Mississippi State team, changing philosophies, you want to do it now and not week seven, week eight, once they figure
0: out really who they are and how they get to where they want to go. There's your scouting report presented by Jacob Hester. (laughs) I was walking over to the facility yesterday, actually, and as I was approaching ops, uh, all I could hear was cowbells. Uh, on the loudspeaker they were blaring on the loudspeaker and they had all the managers with handheld cowbells just trying to get the team prepared for what is to come on saturday uh we went to play interviews as well and some of the guys like emory jones who's never been to uh davis wade they're excited to kind of uh experience that atmosphere first off not sure how it's legal but second off (laughs) as a player as a former player how do you approach an environment like that for the first time 11 a.m. kickoff against mississippi state Mm. especially with uh it's just such a unique environment in the sec
1: it is and they're grandfathered in i think to the cowbell situation and you know you have to deal with it and I'll give Mississippi State's fans credit. Like, they do. When they got to stop, whenever it comes on the scoreboard, they do a nice job of actually listening and uh, not allowing the cowbell to continue on when the ball is snapped. But it is an issue. The early travel, like, that's an issue. Like, you're going to be eating pregame meal extremely early. You're on the road. And every time it feels like you play at Mississippi State, it's an early game. And it's always a situation you have to handle. And so that that's that's a portion of it. Their crowd also, I'll give a, a, another boy, they're always there like they are going to show up they want to beat LSU they consider you a standard of the SEC one of the pillars of the SEC so they want to go out there and get that victory so the crowd is going to be I would be shocked if it's not sold out and loud and you have to handle all those things like you have to know the cowbells are coming communication is going to be key in this one but when you look at it obviously it's going to be on the offensive side of the football like jane Down's played a lot of football yeah uh he has been there done that before so you don't really worry about the crowd noise although i do know it's going to be loud it's been loud every time i've ever been in there when you talk about like the things that you can control like this is where a veteran team kind of takes over you handle travel on the road you realize it's a business trip you realize that you're going to be up early you realize that kickoff's going to be normally when you're just eating lunch and getting ready for practice like you have to handle all of those things and so i don't have a real worry now now for you that's going to be in the press box you'll be tired of hearing the cowbells exactly. and it will be ringing
0: in your ears but by the like time the florida state chant it just yeah two days after the game you, hear you that, still yeah. hear it you still hear it in your ears as
1: a player you kind of you put these blackout curtains up though uh-huh. around you. Like yes, you hear it, yep. it's there, but you don't allow it to affect you. If you do, that's when you get in trouble. You have to, and people think you're crazy when you say that. And if Flynn ever decides to show up again, he can back me up here. Like you just you kind of tune all of that out, and it's about what's in front of you, and that only comes with experience, which LSU has.
0: Well, luckily, Jaden Daniels now uh, partner with Be- uh, Beats by Dre gave all of his teammates and staff noise-canceling headphones to cancel out the noise. There you go. So there you go. You can use them <laughs> on Saturday. Um, it will be interesting because last year's team did struggle with those 11 a.m. kickoffs. You think about Tennessee, yeah, Arkansas— you got a little bit more of a veteran veteran team this year. It'll be interesting to see how they handle 11 a.m. kickoffs this year as opposed to last year. Uh, when you look at the rest of the league, interesting weekend uh, last weekend. Uh, it's got to be motivating for LSU because the West kind of looks wide open at yeah. this point. Uh, Alabama falls to Texas, and then you have A&M dropping one to Miami. Uh, does that make the Florida State loss sting a little bit less, knowing you have like a good chance to control your business, or is it too early to tell?
1: Well, I don't know that, like, you'll take a, you know, oh, man, we feel better about the Florida State loss. I think you just got to grow from that game, you know, from whatever went wrong for you. Now, like, you take a look around the SEC and maybe it does give you a little bit more hope. Now, you could always lose that game to Florida State and still win uh, the SEC West. We saw that a year ago from this team. So I'm sure they're leaning on that as well. I'm sure that was a message after week one. Hey, our goals are still in front of us, all that. But the SEC, let's call it like it is. They're one and four against the ACC yeah. this year. The SEC right now has not flexed the muscles that they flexed in the past. I mean, you look at last week, and you know you got a couple like A and M going to Miami and getting beat like they did. Even uh, a non-ACC team, a Big Twelve team, Texas going to Alabama, uh, Vanderbilt going to Wake Forest and getting beat by multiple scores. The SEC feels as wide open as it's felt in a very long time. Like, we don't know what the makeup of the West is going to look like. Georgia, we'll see if when they start playing some of these other teams, like where they look like. Uh, Kentucky struggle with Eastern Kentucky. It has not been a great start for the SEC. So, not great for the conference, but good if you have a team that has as much talent as LSU, knowing that if you fix the mistakes in the first two weeks – you have the talent you have the experience to go out there and do again like you did last year
0: which is get to atlanta you had a big day on saturday you had uh your newborn harlow in tiger stadium for the first time ever yeah um what was that experience like that, that must have been super cool
1: it was uh you know our fifth child first baby girl she's uh, already been to tiger stadium two months old how about that it, the first time that i entered tiger stadium was on my official visit wow how about that starting yeah. young yeah I, yeah, I went to a couple of Independence Bowls, watched LSU there, watched them on the road. First time I went to Tiger Stadium was my official visit to LSU. And so, uh, yeah, the, the, the kiddos have been to Tiger Stadium way more than I ever did growing up. But a uh, great experience, man. What a great experience to share the, uh, the best place on earth with the family. And so, hey, first game, first dub,
0: maybe she's a good luck charm. Good luck charm. Um, you know what is not a good luck charm? I'm nervous now. The My New York Jets I was Jets about to say, yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> we had to talk about it for like one minute. I told you, I texted you. I was like, we have yeah. to talk about. Uh, what were your thoughts on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation? Mm, that is brutal. So <laughs> football players, you work eight
1: months out of the year to play for four months. Every other sport is different. Baseball, basketball, whatever sport we throw up there, softball you play a lot of games, you don't practice as much. For football, you practice twice the amount that you play in the games. You only play in NFL 17, in college 12, and you can add on playoffs in a bowl game, whatever. All that work for that few of contests out there and you work so hard to get to that point and you play four plays and you're gonna be a savior for a franchise that's looking for a savior. That is a brutal way to exit a game. And hey, can we get away from field turf? can we just throw it all away fifa in the soccer world a lot of y'all don't like soccer but you know what they did they said we're not playing on that crap we're not going to do it it's natural grass or nothing because that's the game and that's the surface that football always has been if it's muddy you know what it's a mud pit it's okay because football has been played in the mud for a very long time i hate artificial turf. I think it's awful for you, these injuries. Your cleats get stuck in
0: the ground. They have nowhere to go. There's no give. And uh, yeah, not a big fan of field turf. Well, if Cody gets to talk about Arsenal on the pod, I get to talk about my New York sports issues on the pod. So thank you for letting me uh, vent about that. Uh, Not going to thank the football gods, but you know who I am (laughs) going to thank? (laughs) Marathon Petroleum for helping us get the most out of our drive. Uh, Thank you to Hester. Thanks to you for listening to the latest edition of Hey Fighting Podcast. Glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said, fight.